Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for episode 5 of Zingspiel Sessions, the podcast where local musicians sit with our host Tony DeLuca to zing, sing, and spiel speak about what makes them tick. If you've been listening to our podcast, you've probably noticed that the last few episodes have come out somewhat sporadically. We've really been feeling bad about not being able to get the episodes out every week the way that we wanted to. But in the past couple of days, I've realized something and I wanted to share it with our listeners. See, the thing is, music is something special. It has a unique ability to reach across boundaries and bring people together. And that's what we want to share in this podcast. It's been really important to us to create these episodes by sitting down with the musicians, not doing it over the internet or distance in some other way. As you know, getting together during this pandemic is difficult and we would never put ourselves, our family, or others at risk. So yes, episodes are sporadic and they might continue to be for a little while, but we will make this promise. Each and every episode will bring insight into a musician who is out there in the world sharing their gifts, and we will give them a voice that might not be heard if they're not able to be on stage. We will always strive to share the organic beauty, the raw fear, wild passion, and plain brilliance that is music and the creation of music by local artists from all over the country. Today, Tony sits down with another amazingly talented local musician from the Finger Lakes region of upstate New York, Travis Durfee. He's a high school teacher by day, a rock star by night, and an all-around local legend. Durfee shares his thoughts on what music can do for young minds, talks about how he got started on his musical journey, and walks us through the creative process of his band, The Sweats, as they prepare to record Caught in a Wave, the nine-song studio album that dropped last month. That you said when it came out so mean And me, I said, well in my hand you went Pouring wet cement on my dreams Hey now, not too deep Sound all right on your end? Yeah, that sounds really good. So how you been, man? How you been during this quarantine? Been doing all right, man. Been doing all right. It's a pretty strange time. Pretty strange it, time. It really. Have you been doing any live music online or anything like that? Yeah, believe it or not. Um, you know, like uh, playing with this band, playing with the Sweats, we've been all about trying to get out and around and um, play for people, getting people right. up, getting people moving and dancing. Um, trying to play some original tunes and it's so much fun to do out right and we were hoping to try to do some of it together online streaming we couldn't get the technology we couldn't find the right technology to get it to work and then yeah. getting together in somebody's space just didn't feel right yet um, so I started doing these live streams around my house um, as Jen and I were talking before I've got a bunch of children right and uh, music is a big part of our home you know we're always playing songs on 
on Alexa, people calling out tunes, people waiting in line to get their song to play next. Um, you know. Just a casual jukebox rotation going yeah, on. Yeah, man. House. Yeah. So, we, you know, cool. it became a formal thing. It became family radio. Yeah. You know, so we did like family radio car trips. Somebody gets to call out that tune and, and, you know, go around as we're driving, listen to whatever you want to listen to. So we just started doing that in the basement, which became real fun. Yeah, that's you know, awesome. Somebody would call out a tune and we'd work on it throughout the week and start playing it. So I had uh, my wife, myself, uh, my two daughters, Isla and Sasha, who are four and six, mm-hmm. and uh, my sons, David and Benson. Um, they're teenagers, 13 and 14. They're playing the cajon, playing the keyboard, awesome the violin. We had a bass guitar in there. <laughs> I was mostly sticking with the uh, with the guitar. Right. We were just playing all sorts of stuff. That's really cool. Yeah, man. It's Going like, from like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star to uh, Dirty Deeds <laughs> by ACDC, yeah. the family rendition of it. So it was it's, pretty that's, fun. That's really like bringing that old sort of parlor, like family parlor time into the modern age. Oh, it's really totally. cool. Yeah. I like that so much. You know, it was very, very different than what I do with the band, obviously, because, you know, I don't play with four-year-olds in the sweats. <laughs> Although some of our jokes are about that age appropriate at times. <laughs> um, but it was just a really beautiful thing to do, you know? Like, if you're in a band, you promote social gathering. Yeah. You know, you want people to come out, and you want people to, like, get up to the stage and dance with each other, even if you don't know each other. You exactly. know, come out and have a good time. And, uh, you know, that's not just the safe thing to do right now. Yeah. So it became this real, uh, real strange time if you're a creative artist who shares your art publicly to think about, well, how do I, how do, I do this now that I'm not able to do it in the venues I'm accustomed to doing. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And it's been pretty sweet to see like a bunch of local musicians and, you know, these internationally known musicians broadcasting from their basements or their apartments or their bedrooms or whatever. It's, it's super weird, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I, I, I love it because it really is just like, if it feels like music for the sake of music. Totally. So you've been playing with, with your whole family. So you, yeah. you start them young on, yes. on music then. Oh, absolutely. So what, what do you got your four and six-year-olds playing on? So my, my six-year-old's been playing the violin for a couple of months now. and um, Suzuki Method? Yeah, she's doing Suzuki Method with um, a teacher over in Ithaca, uh, the Ithaca Talent Education Program. Nice. It's really, really cool. Nothing that I experienced growing up. Right. You know, like um, I'm – you know, self-taught hack, mm. picked up the guitar, like, <laughs> as a late teenager, you know, yeah. like, ni- 18 or 19 is when I finally picked up a guitar, um, just because it was, you know, I was seeing other people, my brother specifically, he was playing a lot, he was a really talented, is a really talented musician, Matt Durfee, um, and plays in the Albany area, mm. and um, I would just see how he would be able to bring his guitar out and bring people together in our little town in the middle of nowhere, and it was beautiful, and I'm like, I want to try some of that too. I had some other friends that were in bands and it just seemed like a great thing to do. I picked it up late and so I don't know a lot. You know, right. I just make stuff up as I'm going along, try to figure it out as best I can. And um, yeah, my six-year-old who's doing these Suzuki lessons, it's really beautiful to see how quickly her ear has developed, how quickly she's able to like hear a tune and just start trying to figure it out on her own. And I think back to 18-year-old me sitting in an apartment working on the opening riff for wish you were here for like three months (laughs) (laughs) and just never quite getting it right yeah um and so it's cool that my little girl's not going to 
suffer that. <laughs> She's going to be able to get to it. Yeah, the, the indignity of having to figure something out by ear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's something beautiful to it once you figure it's, it out, but it's like... it. But it's just like a skill that yeah. not everybody has. I think a lot of it's like language, man. Yeah. I think a lot of it develops... Like, if you start training ears really young and you start shaping someone's mind that young... You know, the the synapses up there start firing at an yeah. early age and they figure out how to hear it. Yeah, and her, her relative innate. pitch is going to be outrageous. Yeah, like yeah. Like, intervallically, it's, yeah. That's pretty cool. It's, I've never thought of it like a, like a language like that. Because, yeah. you know, kids are just language sponges. They are, yeah, they yeah. really are. I, I yeah. love that. It's sweet. So, so you picked up your guitar at 18. Did you have any? I think so, yeah. I was like 18 maybe 19 any musical knowledge or any playing before that or no no i mean i think man did i even like get thrown into the old music lessons i don't think i ever even did that you know the obligatory like you're in fourth grade now we're going to take you to piano lessons i do remember being in the uh the elementary school band Mm -hmm. and i was a percussionist okay i played the snare drum but i remember there were a couple kids who would like stick their drumsticks between your legs and then somebody would grab it in the front and there was some drumstick wedgy thing that was going on <laughs> that was awful so i decided i don't want to be a part of that i'll go and do other things right um and i always loved music i mean i listened to a ton of music growing up um my parents both really loved music so music was always on in mm. our home i think my mom grew up taking lessons but it never became a thing that was like uh you will do this Mm-hmm. You know, we definitely had the choice to do it, and um, I just never, I never took to it. It just really became a way that I saw my friends and my brother, especially, um, bringing people together. You yeah, know? like we lived in the middle of nowhere; there was nothing going on. Uh, we would hang out in the bank parking lot. We would hang out across from a payphone. Everybody knew the number to the payphone: eight two seven nine nine two zero. Rest in peace; it's no longer there. Oh. But you just wait until that phone rang. And yeah. people from somewhere else would be checking in to let you know where something was happening elsewhere or just to see, is there anything happening in the parking lot? Right. So just like that sort of sense of community for you mm-hmm. is really what brought you into the music sphere. Yeah, totally. That's really, that's yeah. cool. Because I was definitely pushed that way. Yeah. And then when I thought about, eh, you know, maybe piano's not for me, my parents were like, well, you got to do something extracurricular. Mm-hmm. How about basketball? And I was like, well... Piano's looking pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting. It was the real push from your folks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they got me started. It, it ran in the family too. Like okay. my, my grandfather um, was a pianist and an organist and I kind of hung around with him a lot. Yeah. And uh, listened to him play and, you know, he was a big inspiration in that. Okay. So what kind of training did you have then? I what, had... What did it look like? I had solo piano lessons from the age of eight up through high school. Okay. It, plus my, my band teacher, it really inspired me to go into music in college. Mm-hmm. So I did that whole thing where I hated music for four years. <laughs> and um, came out the other side with a music ed degree and no idea what I was doing. And uh, kind of some fumbles and flounders later, it it's... I like it again. Yeah, which is cool. which is great. That's why I really like the jam sessions at the end of these podcasts, yeah. where we just like take twenty minutes and chunk through a couple songs. Yeah, that's always always my favorite part. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. So, 
heard about I'm I'm jumping all over the place. That's Jen's, okay. Jen's gonna have one hell of a time editing. <laughs> but I, I just feel like I want to before we jump away, man, because like I've been having this realization about my kids' musical education as it relates to my lack of a musical education, and just kind of hearing you talk as well is making me think this as well. Like that formal training when it's like imposed. Yeah. That's uh, it sets a it sets a. A, a strange expectation almost hmm. right like the expectation is that you're gonna follow through on this from because somebody else wants you to do it and um like when you went to lessons and stuff yeah back in the day where you like you just go in by yourself with the teacher and yeah and get some instruction and then you go back and you yeah, and i'd work, work on, on that a, work, work on a song with like um a specific sort of technique in mind sure um, and I'd come back the next week, see the progress we made on it, yeah. see how that technique is going, and maybe add something to that song. Because we could work on a piece of music, especially once we, like, once I was in high school and working on auditions, we would work on a piece of music for months. Mm-hmm. Just like we'll put something on by, you know, Haydn or Mozart, and it's like, all right, this is going to be what you play for colleges. Yep. Let's get it perfect. Yeah, yeah. And that was probably like, the decline like getting that serious into it was draining emotionally mm-hmm. and sort of like it it made me not want to it, it took away the enjoyment yeah of it in a way especially yeah. in college where you know you have a semester to prepare a 10-minute jury yeah to play in front of all the piano teachers it, yeah, it's. I'm just like I'm feeling the hairs on the back of my neck go up as you describe it like that, man. Yeah, it's it's intense. basically just like a week of constant crying before, <laughs> and then it it climaxes afterwards into just bawling. I didn't pass. I wasn't good oh enough. It's it's a constant question and evaluation of being good. Yeah, and, which is just wrong being good and like how you're going to be evaluated as good yeah you agree with what they're perceiving as the thing that defines good yeah so it it reshaped how i saw music yeah it's so hard to reintegrate into like a fun music scene instead of Mm -hmm. oh here's vladimir horowitz playing chopin don't try to play any chopin because it won't be as good as him (laughs) yeah that's uh yeah and in a way like i'm i I'm glad that I didn't go that route because it totally would just kind of take the joy out of it. Yeah. And um, as I think about that, like, and knowing other people who've taken lessons, like, that's what's been so unique about watching this experience with my kid. Like, the Suzuki method is really hands-on in terms of, like, parental involvement with the lessons. It's a total collaboration in that sense. Like, I can't force her to do it. Right. I mean, I guess I could, but then it would totally pollute it and poison it, right? Yeah. You know, it's got to be presented as like, hey, we're going to get to do this. We're going to do this fun thing together because yeah. you love music and I love music and let, we get to go make music together. Exactly. Um, I've been playing a hell of a lot of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star as a result, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, uh, but, it's, but it's still fun. My kid loves the different variations that we play together and, you know, to have, uh, to have that be the, uh, the experience, the, the musical introduction, um, it seems... It seems pure in some sense, you yeah. know. Like it seems more, I guess, more natural to what I have experienced music to be, 
seeing it played live by people since I was a teenager and just listening to it with other people before that. Yeah. You know, it's like a, it's a communal thing. It brings people together. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not the sterile yeah. concert pianist in a bubble sort of thing. Sure. That. Yeah. And it's impressive. Like, I get it. Uh, the technical aspect of it, like, that was an amazingly, that was a technically uh, perfect presentation of some piece. Yeah. I can appreciate it. I don't dig it, you know? It's like when I was growing up, my brother was one of the most talented musicians that I knew. And uh, my buddy Ryan was, uh, you know, on par as the other like most talented musician in my little town. And they both went off to music schools. Ryan went to Berkeley. Wow. Um, Matt went out to Fredonia. And um, they didn't stick it out. They didn't like what it did to them as it relates to music. And that, yeah. was, that was a real, um, that was a real eye opener for me. At first I was just like, what do you mean? You're going. You're just going and doing music. It should be so fun. And it was just like, no, it's not. It's yeah. not that, man. Yeah. Once you're graded on it, and you're just sitting in a practice room three to four hours a day, it, the fun just strips away. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I'll tell you why. Hearing that your brothers left, mm. I want to let you know why I stuck it out. Okay. I, and I think this is true for a lot of people, from like my generation and age group is that we were constantly fed like the ideal American dream white picket fence life mm -hmm. and that the college you know getting a bachelor's degree college education going into a master's or going into work front you're like oh you need a college degree to get your white picket fence life sure and I, I was still sort of tricking myself into thinking that that's what I wanted that mm -hmm. white picket fence life and it's taken me like five or six years out of college to realize it's like, nah, that's, I, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I want to do something with music that's fun. I don't want to just like, you know, get an office job, stay in the same place. What, what do you think, and this is like probing into how you understand your brothers, mm -hmm. were, were they like that white picket fence type, like the sit down, do all that, or were they a little bit more nomadic spirits like they yeah 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 well so the one dude so the one dude is my brother and then the other guy was just like a, a good friend of oh, mine. okay and um i feel like um i definitely don't think either of them had that sort of like idealized version of um like getting a house and you know having a like you know getting married having kids and living behind that white picket fence i don't i don't know that that was a, what either of them were thinking, you know. My brother Matt is uh, such a talented player and right. songwriter, um, and he has always uh, been somebody who's tried to write this beautiful, intricate, original music. It doesn't mm -hmm. fit in traditional um, songwriting molds, I guess, you know? Right. Um, it's just unique. It just kind of comes from within. And knowing the world that we live in where everything has to make sense in some predefined package, right? You have to know it as like alt-rock or, you know, indie or singer-songwriter. Right. It's got to yeah. be something. And his stuff sort of is all over the place and at once like uh, literary in terms of the, the songwriting. Mm. It's just hard to kind of, it's hard to kind of fit in somewhere. And he's, you know, 
he's a great inspiration to me because he continues to do that stuff. You know, he hasn't turned over to just being like, well, my people want to hear uh, 90s revival stuff. And I grew up listening to that so I could do I could do all that stuff. Right. Um, you know, he stays true to trying to create original works and put it out there. Um, which, again, it sounds like that must be um, that's not the music school experience. Right. You go there to be like, hey, here's the canon. Like, yeah. Understand it. Here you go. Here's here's all the music theory and how every chord goes into the other one. Yeah, it's very much putting music in a box. Yeah, it's like intellectualizing this thing that can be really like um, spiritual in a sense. Yeah, and move you on like a a very irrational level. And what I've learned out of college is how to take that intellectualizing Mm -hmm. and break out break out of that mold. Yeah, like. And use that to alter people's experiences with music and what they expect out of the music. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like learning those rules, and probably the same with Matt, is just like that extra bit of, like, that little tool that you can apply elsewhere. I don't want to put words, words in his mouth, though. That is mostly my experience. But yeah. I know that The Sweats is... is either coming out or came out recently with a album right yes yeah man and july 4th 2020 july 4th 2020 yeah caught in a wave is the album and uh it's uh nine original tunes that we got to put down earlier this year yeah uh in a totally different world it was all pr- we recorded this pre-pandemic yeah. and um then we're <laughs> just kind of like in isolation not knowing what the hell to do like uh <laughs> how do we get out and perform to promote this and yeah i listened i think because you guys had a kickstarter up and the the sample that you put up is just so different from like those songs you cover so what are like the inspirations for your own original music yeah yeah i mean they're pretty vast um yeah. so the stuff that we ended up recording in the studio is I think more of a representation of what you would hear if you caught us out in a live scenario. Mm. You know, it's like the band as the tunes, uh, the band playing the tunes as as presented. Um, some of the sample stuff that was up for that Kickstarter um, really reflects the way that our, the band's writing process has evolved. Mm. Um, back in the day. I would write a lot of these tunes and then just kind of bring them in and present them to the band. Okay. Like, here's how this one progresses. And, you know, we would add some some things here and there depending on what other folks thought. Um, and then more recently, some of the tunes have been, you know, here's here's this riff. Here's something I'm, I'm vamping on. Mm-hmm. How does it feel? And uh, as it's been harder and harder for us to find time to get together, three of us, four of us in the outfit, our fathers, um, you know, so that we have all these additional responsibilities outside of uh, playing rock music. Yeah. Um, you know, the writing process uh, has fallen on our bassist, Rob Kirkoba, mm-hmm. and myself, uh, trading files back and forth. And okay. Rob is a, uh, he's a prolific writer of really badass bass grooves. <laughs> and he sends them to me, like, faster than I can keep up with. <laughs> like, he's always sending me some stuff, and I'm like, damn, that's really good. And uh, I'm going to need to figure out, like, a guitar part and then try to hear a melody in there that I can then try to put some words on. Yeah. Um, anyway, so some of those samples from the Kickstarter are that. Um, so two of the tunes on this new album 
uh, caught in a wave and river. They originated that way. Okay. They're riffs that um, either he had or I had. I think in both cases, those are both his, uh, bass lines that he came up with and he shared them with me and I spent a little bit of time with them and sent him something back and you know we traded it until we kind of had a form for a song. Got together with uh, our drummer, John Mike, mm-hmm. and um, our guitar player, Nick, um, and really started working on fleshing out the tunes. Um, and then in the live setting, we've had you know, we've been really fortunate to play with Scott. Yeah. Scott Muir always brings this um, infectious energy to a gig with percussion and harmonica playing. Yeah. Um, and so we just kind of fill things out. And, and a lot of that songwriting has been in the live space, quite frankly. Um, we sometimes like have a song that we'll play a couple of different ways depending on how we seem to be feeling at the moment. Mm. Um, and so that was one of the cool things about getting into a studio. It was like, uh, I think we need to give this one like a definitive form now. You know, we, gotta, we have to pick to and stick with the structure so that we can practice it and try to pull it off yeah. as we record it. Um, so, so, yeah, that's been pretty fun. Um, I think we have a lot more music that we'll be sharing in the future that's, um, that'll be more like some of those, some of those samples. Okay. I, I think I mentioned before messing around with like, you know, uh, different – Dawes in my basement and Rob has different stuff that he's working on. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, <clears throat> a lot of synthesized sounds that we're working with. For those for fun. those not in the know, a DAW is a digital audio workshop. Truth. Yes. I speaking in jargon here. I don't know if you listen to Vampire Weekend ever. But uh what was I think Conquered and then the one before that was just Vampire Weekend, like self titled, right? I think so. Okay. I can't remember. They just put an album out last year. And um, it was really, really great. And from having messed around in these digital audio workstations, like I can tell how much of that was used to make this record. It sounds almost just like a like a quilt of different audio snippets that then were merged together. In many cases, like beautifully and remarkably. Yeah, um, I like the so, term a, a quilt. Yeah, man, it's you know. Because you collect them, right? You collect yeah. these little snippets, and like that's that's a brilliant little sound. Yeah, and I have to keep that and make that something else. <laughs> um, and I think that's probably why it was like seven years between records or whatever for those guys. Yeah, <laughs> get, and each record lost. is so different. You yeah. know, you yeah. listen to the first one, like, who give a fuck about Knoxford comma? <laughs> right, right, right. And then the new one is like contra or when, when, yeah, contra and all that stuff, and you're like, yeah. Is, different band yeah <laughs> you got a different setup yeah it evolves man it yeah, evolves they, and it's funny and, I, and i've been struggling for years with the the writing process that takes place on the laptops and then the live scene yeah which is a rock band yeah and i love it it's so much fun to you know have an electric guitar in your hand and have the right pedals dialed in and your amps breaking up nicely and things sound great i love that um but then it's also like yeah, and I could also add in these four or five other different elements if I could figure out the, the, the tech aspect of it, like how to get those plugins and the laptop to be something that could be synchronized with humans as we play live. Yeah. You know? And that's, uh, that's tricky. That's yeah, that's, tricky. That's, a lot, that's a lot trickier. And I feel, like, I feel like my playing, when playing with something electronic or something in the background suffers Mm -hmm. because it it for me it takes away the human aspect Mm -hmm. of 
being able to bend and stretch time or yeah like my ear is just going to be all right make sure mm-hmm. i'm on the beat i know for that i know and, and yet there's something about like those times where you've seen bands pull that stuff off live that it can be really really awesome it's yeah. a different thing man like when, when you're playing with the guitar when you're playing with people you know I like the the phrase that you use talking about bending and stretching time because it is sort of like well what are we all doing right now yeah right it's a it's a it's like a collective thing for the group of people that you're performing with and when you're following that click it's almost like all right well we're, we are all doing it in service of this we're yeah. all doing the song and and that's the thing too is like I'm not listening to my other band members uh-huh. I'm listening to the robot hearing the click yeah because yeah. that robot ain't gonna change right the robot is. The robot's doing his thing, man. Yeah, but when it's, it's like me and a singer or me and a trumpet player, mm-hmm. you know, they flub something or jump ahead. Sure. It's like, I'm right there. Yep. That robot's going to be like, I ain't there yet. Yeah. Yeah, you we're be- not there yet. You better wait. Yeah, this, it's not there. <laughs> yeah. The song's not there. Um, I play with a, with a loop pedal a little bit at home and, you yeah. know, uh, I, again, just like basic I have the, the basic premise of it down and I can do a couple of little things, but um, I've never been able to develop like a whole, a whole loop based set that I feel comfortable playing out in front of other people. Hmm. Um, although it hasn't stopped me a few times from trying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but whenever I've done that, like I brought that out and I've played and Scott, I love Scotty. He's such a, you know, he's such a natural guy to play with. And um, Scott Muir, the percussionist with the sweats, he and I just have this great rapport when you play. And I think other people who played with him say the same thing. He's just naturally there and present and commits to doing it. Yeah. Um, but anytime I bring the robot out, he's like, man, I fucking hate that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to play with that. And I'm yeah. like, I get it. I get it. But think about what we what we could do. Yeah. All, I think that, all that little extra stuff that could be that there. could be there. Yeah. One of my favorite musicians is uh, Andrew Bird. Okay. I don't know if you know Andrew Bird. No. He's... Um, He's a genius, man. He's just a genius. He's a violin player, um, I think, was his training. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's been playing for a long time with big acts. I think way back in the day, he actually played with the Squirrel Nut Zippers. I don't know if you remember that, like, swing revival band from the 90s. Uh, that brief Can't moment when, when the movie Swingers came out and, and swing music seemed like it was going to be cool again. <laughs> um, anyway, this, the Squirrel Nut Zippers wrote these great songs and did this, you know, picture-perfect historical timepiece of songs from that era, but they mm. wrote their own original stuff. Right. Anyway, getting to this dude, Andrew Bird, violin player who created through loops these amazing soundscapes. Mm. And um, just watching the things that that dude was able to do with a violin that he could bow or pluck uh, some bells that he would quickly record a loop of. Oh, he would then whistle into the microphone. He would sing, maybe pick up an acoustic guitar and strum and get it all going yeah. in like 90 seconds and have a just, just a, a remarkable out. song that had the ability to express dynamic change yeah. as well and it was just like, ah man, I would love to I would love to try stuff like that. Yeah. And um yeah, you know the studio stuff down in the basement it allows you to to mess around like that it's cool you know we've, we've come up with some fun stuff in the basement it's just yeah. really so hard to think about how to get it out of the basement and bring it to other people so i don't feel like i i don't feel like i could oh my i i you know again i'm like as i mentioned i'm just a, just a hack i'm just a dude who figured this out like when i was 18 started trying to figure it out rather when i was 18 still haven't figured a lot of shit out <laughs> um 
so I, I wonder, like, is it is it there is there like such a basis of musical knowledge that precedes them accessing that tool, and then that tool just is like it allows them to take all the stuff out of their head, you know? Mm. Because as a songwriter, I feel like that's how things happen for me. Like I will, I'll sometimes just hear a melody in my head, and I've got to find an instrument to be like, well, what the hell is that? And then I plunk around until I find what the notes are. And then I'm like, all right, well, cool, I got to record that. And then I let that simmer, and suddenly I can, like, hear a melody that would go with that. Yeah. Um, and uh, it just feels slow. And I think it's slow from other songwriters that I've talked to. It's not always, like, it's not always such a quick process. And sometimes you have things that you're sitting on for years before they're, they're finished. Right. But, man, to have all that, to have the knowledge and capability and the tools, um, and then to bring all that together, it's pretty amazing. I think it's it's the stage where I am now, which is just like the experimental phase. Mm-hmm. Let's get just a bunch of crap mm-hmm. and see what sound I can make with it. And just like learning all like the sounds I can make mm-hmm. and just keeping them up there and putting them into something. Right. It's like, oh, this sound will be cool. Yeah. Um, and I just like that's the phase I'm at. Yeah. Where I'll be at. A loop station someday, but I'm just mm-hmm. experimenting with those sounds. Yeah, and that's that's probably the most fun I've had songwriting in a long time. That's cool, man. It sounds like it's uh, really like uh, exploratory and cre- it, just naturally creative. Yeah, very much. That that's some of the most fun aside from the jam sessions that I've been having. Yeah, just making music and that's cool. doing that sort of stuff. So, what are you? Uh, what have you been jamming on lately, man? So I've got a couple tunes. Um, I've been jamming from. From the record, could play a couple of those with you. That'd be kind of fun. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You got chord changes for me? I think so, man. Um, I'll, I'll try it. It could be just an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not <clears throat> much of a knowledgeable music cat, so I don't. I wish I could tell you it's a 12-bar blues in A or something like that. Um, but it's a groove in A, and it kind of vamps between A and a D. G to the D and E.
As you're saying the names, it starts making sense. You're shaking your knee. Cigarettes and some coke, so the story went more than you ever seen. You small talking big game like you out swimming, all the fish in the sea. Small pond, big fish, it's heaven down. Hey, that's how you'll be. approached the band with that one i think that's one of the older ones yeah that one kind of showed up as like hey dudes i got this groove mm. what you think about it i like that yeah man thanks that was um yeah that was like it's a couple years old at this point but it came at this time that was like real uh uh i really kind of changed the way that i was writing songs mm. you know 
like that one I feel like is pretty stripped down. It's just got a groove. Yeah. Right? Like it's two parts. So let's just kind of vamp on this. We'll mess with dynamics. Yeah. What kind of flourishes can people bring in? And uh, it kind of builds a little bit in the middle. Um, yeah, and we just, we just have jammed that so many different ways until we were finally like, you know what? That feels like a good structure. Let's stick with that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the stuff that I used to write was real, like, uh, songwriter inspired, you know? Yeah, right. Dude growing up with a guitar kind of things. Yeah. Um, and those are wonderful. I, I've got a lot of songs like that that I really like, but that one's called Intelligence. Mm. And um, it's one of the ones that I feel like we got a really nice take of that. When yeah. we were in the studio earlier this year. Can I play a different one? I'll play another one for you? Sure, yeah. I, I feel like this one, so here's a good example of like an older tune that okay. was the pre-made package that showed up. Um, this one's called Prayed Hard On It. I mean, I think if you wanted to try to, to, try to vamp in the, the verse parts, it's going to be like a blues and E. Okay. It's going to hang out in a blues and E. Um, and I don't know what to tell you about the rest of it. <laughs> uh, this one, this was—I mean, you might dig this one because of the some of the some of the chord changes that it takes. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, my, my musical knowledge isn't deep enough to give you too much guidance on it, my friend. But I know it's a song that I wrote, and I feel like it it feels pretty good as I play it. So. All right, let's hear it. Hands the temple again. I pray for you to come in. And on my knees and then I pray to you and it's deafening. The nothing the mama said in God's mill grinds slow. If your word abounds without a sound, tell me now what My mind's eye, I see nothing inside. What makes a poor boy try to prove true what feels a lie? At school, they said God is dead, but daddy said, Believe you shall receive. If I can't connect, or if I can't detect, well, tell me now, maybe it just ain't me. Maybe it's a ghost story Well maybe there's nothing to see Maybe nothing to see And all this doubt makes embers out of eternal flame And all these words without meaning spoken in your name And all these roads keep leading back to from where they came it's a shame, oh it's a real, real shame. The 
temple crumbles in heaps the clenched fist and the gnashed teeth the unseen deity it's like the company you keep school they said that god is dead oh mommy said believe you shall receive if i can't connect or if i can't detect well tell me now maybe it just ain't me Maybe it's ghost stories Oh, maybe there's nothing to see Maybe nothing to see Now this doubt makes embers out of eternal flames Now these words without meaning spoken in your name Now these roads keep leading back to from where they came it's a shame Oh, it's a real, a real shame <laughs> Nicely done Thanks, man, thanks So... <clears throat> Where do you find the words to put to these songs? Yeah, because it that I that one was also a groove one, right? Where you guys? I think so. Well, actually, yeah. I mean, I I love the groove at the beginning of that tune. Yeah. But um, yeah, that takes like some uh, unique chord changes. I've always thought. Yeah. This is one of these songs that I wrote years ago, and I brought it in to share with the folks, and I was like, all right, guys. Break, buckle in for a sec. I gotta like walk you through some shit, <laughs> you know, because it doesn't follow like a simple structure where yeah. you're like, you know, it's uh, a one four five blues or whatever the hell it is. This is like I put it together like this, mm-hmm. and it seems like it makes sense to me. So I hope you guys are cool with going along with that. Right. Um, and thankfully, I found some dudes that were like, yeah, that that groove works, man. Let's let's stick with it. Um, and I don't know, like a lot of my songs, I don't I don't feel like many of them are. Uh, I mentioned being like a, you know, growing up writing from singer songwriter perspectives, but they're not like confessional, mm-hmm. you know. A lot of them are uh, much more observational, I guess. And um, you know, I remember. So I, I I teach in a local high school, and um, that song actually came out of my experiences being in a classroom with other students mm. um, years ago, and just being around um, a couple of really strong-willed students who were having a conversation maybe less of a conversation than just like exchanging talking points and arguments over yeah. the existence of God you mm. know two strong-willed kids who had their their beliefs that they came up with um, and the one the one kid um, you know who was seemingly expressing some sympathies for the, the the faith and the religion that he was brought up with didn't really have a lot of um, a lot of answers, I guess, to the other kid who was kind of poking out holes in, you know, the right. existence of God and the nature of, you know, religion and how it shapes people's mind. Hmm. And um, I guess it was, it, for me, that song came from, like, seeing a moment of doubt, you know, or seeing a kid questioning, I guess. Yeah. Less the moment of doubt, but the kid, like, kind of reflecting and thinking, like, is this something that's true or is it just something that I've been told? Yeah. You know? And um, 
you know, I, I feel like that's uh, that's kind of a universal experience. Yeah. Um, in a variety of ways, but but that's how it kind of, you know, that questioning and how that that doubt sort of manifests in that in that song. So yeah. That's where that one came from. That was really interesting. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, I like that. Well, I know you are a busy guy. Do you yeah, have to man. be? Do you have to be out of here at a certain time? Well, I mean, listen. As I was driving over here today, I um I did go past the uh, global taco truck, and I saw their signs from eleven to two. So if I can swing by for some tacos a little before two, that's gonna make my day. <laughs> yeah, we gotta do this as well. Did you really? Oh, that would be sweet. Oh, of course. Those Korean tacos. You got it. That's wonderful. Gives me a chance to tune up. Um, uh, I got, I've got a new song I'd love to play with you, man. Yeah? If you want to check this one out. I feel like it's, uh, it's more straightforward, I think. So you can just kind of latch on and go for the ride. Cool. Um, but then I, I really like the song itself. Like it's, uh, it seems like it's timely. It seems like it's timeless, but it's also timely considering the state of the world these days. Yeah, well, history repeats. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this is more like a <clears throat> more of like a straightforward folk tune, I guess, and it just kind of hangs out in G, yeah. G, C, and D, and it's got a I think it's G, C, D, C most of the way through, and then it's got like a weird kind of hang on bridge where you just chill out in D for a while. So it's. Don't be surprised, it's just the world on fire. 
himself a letter to the newspaper editor Printed in the Sunday Times Monday came, boss called his name Said step right in here Dan Close the door behind Keep your words in your mind We gotta to keep the message on brand He knows there's too many cooks And not enough kitchen Too many crooks Nobody snitching If you have a look you'll see What's missing on the by and by Everything's broke No one needs fixing Everything's a joke Nobody's giggling And if you see smoke Don't be surprised It's just the world on fire Well, Penny made sense Her friends all said When she opened her mouth and spoke Her old man only shook his head Called her ideas and joke Tired of running circles round this slow poke She spoke her mind to him line by line His heart done well and broke She knows there's too many cooks And not enough kitchen Too many crooks Nobody snitching If you have a look you'll see What's missing on the by and by Everything's broke But no one needs fixing Everything's a joke Everybody's giggling, and if you see smoke, don't be surprised. It's just the world on fire. To that bridge, indeed, with a problem around here. We've got this problem around here. We've got a problem around here. Around here, around here, around here. Well, Greg came in, saw how things been said. Think it's time for change. Holding his nose, he asks, is that how it goes? Cause something smells strange. To write the ship, he went and flipped the script and charted a brand new course. Goes how it goes, how the headwinds blow when you use a little too much force. He knows there's too many cooks and not enough kitchen, too many crooks. Nobody's snitching, and if you have a look, you'd see what's missing on the by and by. Everything's broke, but no one needs fixing. Everything's a joke, but nobody's giggling. Well, if you see smoke, don't be surprised. It's just the world on fire. It's just the world on fire. It's just the world on just the world on just the world just the world just the world we got a problem around here we've got a problem around here we've got a problem around here and it's the world on fire there's too many cooks cool i like that one thanks man that's a fun one Thanks for jamming along with me on those. Yeah, thanks for jamming with me too, man. That was good. Yeah. So is that one also? Sadly, no. That <sighs> one, uh, that needs to be released in the world. Yeah. I mean, I guess it will be. This will be like the first time that that's uh, recorded and, and and shared anywhere. Oh, wow. But we've got so many songs lined up, man. We um, we were on a mission. We were on a mission in January. We, we rolled in with nine tunes, and we recorded nine tunes in two days. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no click, nothing. We just went in and did it. And um, 
like I said, I think it came out really great, and uh, we were so thrilled with it. The process, um, we worked with a great guy named Mike over at Pyramid Studios in Ithaca. It was just a, mm. just a really, really beautiful experience, and uh, we want to get back and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> want to get back and do it again, because we've got the, the, the songs, the original songs are just starting to pile up in, in that vein, that like kind of songwriter-type vein. And then we've got all these other electronic-inspired groove-based tunes and then just some straightforward rock and roll tunes. So I feel like we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of creative stuff to share with the world. Yeah. yeah. Now, how do, you, how do you decide on the like programming of the CD? How, how do you decide which nine we're going to be on that yeah. flowed best together? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like it was less, um, it was less about a cohesive nine songs that are like a message in a sense. Mm-hmm. Then, like, we just have so much fun playing these songs out live that we wanted to try to, like, capture those. Mm. Be like, like, we've got to, there has to be, there has to be record in some sense, you know? Like, right. some of those tunes, I just have, like, these beautiful memories of playing up in Hector at some, at some winery, some brewery at sunset, and you're jamming on one of these songs, and these people are dancing, and it's just a, it's a marvelous moment. Yeah. Um, so to gather some of those and be like, that's recorded, that, that's, that's there, was kind of how we did it. Like, these are the nine songs that we feel like uh, they always are fun to play. People always enjoy them. Yeah. So Caught in a Wave. Yeah. Caught in a Wave, you'll be able to find it on all, this, all the places. Spotify, Spotify iTunes. iTunes, Apple Music. Uh, I'm really excited to learn that it will be on Napster. I'm very pleased that, uh, <laughs> you can catch it there. Uh, what about, is it Napster exclusivity or LimeWire is going to be... I'm hoping that we can get some LimeWire in there as well. <laughs> That'll be so great. Um, I would check the Pirate Bay as well. I would see what, yes. what torrents exist for you to download this album. I, w- I will be seeding later. so. Yes, excellent, excellent. <laughs> That's great. Um, awesome, man. Well, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was really – it was a good chat. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, catch, catch the sweats whenever the hell they're allowed <laughs> back outside. <laughs> whenever we're allowed in the public again. <laughs> Wow, that was amazing. We can't say enough how grateful we are to have Travis Durfee of The Sweats on the show today. You can check out their new album, Caught in a Wave, on all the digital musical platforms, Spotify, iTunes, and you can follow The Sweats on Facebook at facebook.com backslash them sweats or on Twitter at OMG underscore the underscore sweats. OMG The Sweats. This episode was recorded at Lounge DeLuca, edited and mixed by me, Jen Payne, and as always, hosted by the amazing Anthony DeLuca. Thanks again for being here today. Till next time.